0: unzip that monogrammed faux leather bible carrying case and cover pull up a chair and let's dig in house on the rock you tell me i should build my house on the rock it is a special bonus episode after school special that will have some very special guests actually no special guests just me and jake <laughs> uh, where we teach you about the dangers of talking to strangers don't do drugs and uh just be yourself and don't succumb to peer pressure but really <laughs> what we're also talking about is maundy thursday and good friday so jake have you succumbed to peer pressure at any point in your life
1: yes of course <laughs> was, yeah look i'm a priest
0: uh, all my friends were doing it so
1: <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time yeah I thought man i'm in this for the money and the chicks but anyway, That's right. That's <laughs> so here we are. Um, yes, we are. Um, we are in the uh, an important part of the year. Um, we are in Holy Week. Uh, we are looking at Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday. Part of the trigium as some would say, um, one big liturgy, broken up over three days. So. Um, but we're going to take a look at two important days, as I said, Maundy Thursday and Good Friday today. Um, so Maundy Thursday coming from uh, the Latin word mandatu, uh, where uh, Jesus' new command that he gives us and uh, the institution of the Lord's Supper, but most importantly, the institution of a pedicure. So um... <laughs> with a nice, <laughs> nice warm soak. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, yeah, so I was and dying the, to say it, that, the holy pedicure. <laughs> You've been burning, burning on your lips just to get that. Could out. you imagine if um, our churches were set up? If that was like the sacramental act, and every if week walked we walked in, feet. there was those,
0: like reclining chairs with the foot basin at the at the bottom.
1: Yeah, all the non-denom churches would have like bubble things built into the chairs. You know what I mean? And we'd still be like old school, like walking around with a towel. But uh, yeah, anyway. No. Yeah, so this this Monday Thursday. It's a
0: name that again they should have taken it to more focus groups. It is so confusing because it's people think it's Monday Thursday. It's yes, mispronounced all the time. As Jake said, it is a um, derived from the word mandatum, which, as he said, I command. So the word in English it's most similar is mandate. And so this is mandate Thursday, where Jesus mandates that I love Jake, even though
1: I don't want to. Mm. And he mandates, do this in remembrance of me. So, that's right. Um, yeah. So he mandates the his supper, and so where he so is thi- the host.
0: Yeah. So this is this the Sunday where or the Thursday where you it's traditionally where if there is ever a foot washing, this is where it is done. Hmm. Uh, because Jesus washes his disciples' feet, including Peter's. It is also where. After the service, often the altar will be stripped of everything, and all ornament and decoration is removed from the church. Mm. Uh, it com it, it it has it's the Last Supper. It has a U2 song specifically dedicated to it, "The End of mm. the World," off of Octon Baby*. Yeah, and it. Um, it's just a lot. It's 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 the in it's it's where communion comes from. It's a new command I give you that you love one another. It's uh, it's the foot washing. It's it's all these things. Um, and to me, the way the liturgy is done, however often, and the way the readings are read, you don't actually get the whole story. Uh, so I always, and this is a St. Alban's uh, original, I add. The reading from one of the Synoptic Gospels that explains that after this dinner, they sing a hymn, they go out into the garden, or they leave. They leave. Uh, they leave. He, just Jesus leaves. Uh, just because you don't really get that anywhere else in the readings, unless, I you know, mean, if you're doing morning prayer or something like that. But anyways, these readings that we're looking at for Monday, Thursday are Exodus 12, John, 1 Corinthians 11, and John 13. 13. So we're going to try to hit this quickly and then move on to Good Friday because, again, they're all sort of, there's lots of thematic mm. connections and relations here. So so for, and, and remember, preachers, in all these services, uh, keep it on the shorter side um, if you don't already um, and try to say one thing, really. Uh, but note that you can, that one thing you say can be really powerful and really important. Yep. So. Uh, you got this Exodus 12 reading, which is what gives people the background to the Passover. It's what mm-hmm. it explains what the Passover is and how you cook the lamb and uh, how you're supposed to eat it. And uh, I think the one thing you, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Jake, but I w- if I mention this, I just talk about the fact that for us, communion, the meal that we're about to have and that we always talk about is it's based in this service and it's based in being freed from slavery. And it's something that is done by God and not by us and it's important to remember those things when we think about Jesus having this meal with his friends mm-hmm. freedom from slavery God does it in
1: us and there's a killing there's a killing of a lamb
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah Dana, and you
0: say about Hexodus
1: yeah well there's a, a lot to say I mean this is the um, this is the uh, uh, the place where Basically, there's been this battle between Yahweh and Pharaoh. This is a battle between two gods, and uh, and this battle has led to the undoing of creation, uh, the final undoing, which is death itself. And uh, indeed, um, Israel is uh, this meal um, is the beginning, and uh, uh, in the sacrifice of this lamb, I love that they paint, they uh, spread the blood of the lamb uh, across their doorstep in order for death to pass them over. And so, and indeed, uh, but all of them eventually died in the wilderness, this generation. And uh, so we are reminded, though, that uh, we, with the blood, um, the blood covering us as well, death ultimately passes us over as well. And we will be brought into the true promised land, uh, the land of everlasting life. Mm. Uh, I think it's important to remember, too, is that a key thing which ties into our Gospel reading in a moment is, this day shall be a day of remembrance for you, um, and you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. The word there, remembrance, in the Hebrew, is not something like, wasn't that cool when God did that? It is, and if you've ever been to a Passover Seder, which if you live in, lived in New York for any time, you'll eventually be invited to one, um, is that you, uh, you are at that meal, you know what I mean? You are brought to that meal, and uh, where it is a part of, you're there. And so when, and so that, you know, when Jesus is do this in remembrance of me, that's uh, the same kind of concept as well. So, but uh, more on that in a moment. Uh, let's go to First uh, Corinthians. Do you have anything else yeah so this yeah i mean this passage
0: is bananas this first corinthians passage this is saint paul writing to the church in corinth again this is several decades after the conclusion of jesus's earthly ministry the church is this nascent thing that's beginning to spread virally in the roman empire and paul is summarizing what jesus does at the meal that we're about to read about so interestingly the gospel reading we're about to hear john 13 there is no last supper in john's gospel it's mm-hmm. all in the synoptics there is this gathering and that's where the whole conversation takes place in john 13 it is the night that he's arrested it is all that but we don't actually get john recording the details of the meal oh. so it's good that they include it in first corinthians 11 uh but the 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 Thing that is significant about this 1 Corinthians passage is that it shows how even so early in the church they definitely had a sense that um, uh Of of how important this meal was and because Jesus himself had said to do this in remembrance of me Um, and uh, that's why he says as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so this idea is that it would be this ongoing frequent thing that Christians do but if you think about Jesus in this meal as Paul tells the story here in 1 Corinthians uh, 11 to take to pick up a piece of bread and say this is my body and to take up a cup of wine and say This is the new covenant in my blood. I mean, this is a Passover meal where an animal has been sacrificed. Like that day, an animal has actually been sacrificed. Probably Peter made one of the other disciples do it. But uh, somebody has sacrificed a lamb or a goat. They're eating this goat. They're remembering the blood on the lintel above the door. They're remembering all of these things about Passover. They're thinking about a lamb that was slaughtered. So the angel of death passed them by. and, And Jesus picks up bread and said, this is my body. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's broken it. He like he he takes it. Uh, he gives thanks. He breaks it. So he's holding broken bread and says, "This is my body. This is my body." this is my broken body and he says this cup of this is my blood again so you can't separate it from sacrifice you can't separate it from him uh saying basically i am the passover lamb i mean it's just it's all over the place in this whole thing and so again what do you say about that for people who are about to have this meal in your church Uh, or if it's a streaming service maybe they're not going to be able to have the meal but what you say is uh this is jesus um Pouring himself out, giving himself for you—it's all. You always have to have that for you component in this.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I did. A, I did a, recently a uh, preaching seminar for SEEP, the Consortium of mid Episcopal Parishes, and with um, uh, the Living Word, which is a um, which is a Living Church podcast. And uh, on that, the panel with me was um, uh, Dr. Uh, Julia Gatta, who teaches uh, pastoral theology at Sewanee. And she made this amazing point that um, I'm going to use in my sermon probably for Maundy Thursday. But it's that like the Eucharist, this life, this meal of life is actually born out of death. And I think that that is like the over like an overwhelming and an overarching theme in Maundy Thursday is is that in the midst of death, God is always bringing about new life. And that's a powerful thing that leads us even into, I think, our gospel reading um, Today, from Monday Thursday, where you see the content of what Jesus is teaching at this Last Supper, where he begins then to uh, institute the um, the holy ma- holy pedicure. Uh, yeah, So he does this thing that only servants do.
0: After the dinner, he gets up and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Yeah, um, it's a this is a humiliating job feet are, well, some people's feet are nasty now. Everybody's feet were nasty then, especially these men who just spent their days walking around the um, very not clean dirt roads of uh, first century Israel. And I love the, one of my favorite parts of this is just the very first or a second verse having loved his own who were in the world he loved them to the end Uh, it's just a beautiful turn of phrase of John uh, in his writing of this gospel showing how Jesus will love them all the way to the very end even though because they're all about to just completely fall flat on their faces. Even here, Peter doesn't want even to let Jesus wash his feet. Um, and of course, we know that Judas is about to betray him. Yet, Jesus washes his feet too. He eats at the table too. So, Jesus' love, you, you can't out-love Jesus. You can't out-sin his forgiveness uh, and his mercy. So, uh, and, he, and to demonstrate it, he washes their feet. And there's something just incredibly profound. This is, so many people struggle with an idea that God could love them or that God is for them. Even if they assent to that idea intellectually, they don't actually believe it deep down. You want to know how God feels about you? He washes your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, when you come home at the end of the day, he greets you with a fresh baked loaf of bread i don't know what it is like but i mean it's even more than that it's like this foot washing is a sim it's not just a foot washing it's symbolic of cleansing and it's another way in addition to the lord's supper of jesus trying to show what his ministry is give me the dirtiest part of you the most untouchable untouchable part and i will wash that um and uh uh so yeah i mean it's just it's a beautiful and powerful moment
1: Mm mm-hmm and you know, and and everything that Jesus does is articulating what he's come to do, and that is, as we talked about uh, last Sunday uh, on in on the Palm Sunday podcast in Philippians, Jesus, you know. Um, Uh, you know, although in the form of God did not uh, equate uh, equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself. And uh, there are a number of scenes here where you see that happening. For example, um, with just not only the foot washing, but with Jesus getting up from the table and taking off his outer robe. This is like the the robe was a a symbol of his authority. So he's taking off his, uh, his, 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 his clothing as the host of the meal. And now he's tying the towel around him as a slave, you know what I mean, which then he begins to, to, um, to wash his feet. But if you notice in the text, he doesn't leave the robe there just on the ground, but rather when he's done washing the disciples' feet, he stands up and he takes his robe up and puts it back on. Um, and so he returns to the table once again. So this is all a sign of his laying aside his death and his resurrection and then his ascension once again. And really, it's because he's laid, up, laid aside his authority in order to take it up again for you that uh, this new mandatu, that mandatum that is given here, uh, makes any sense. You know, it's not something you do to garner the approval. This has come after Jesus has washed their feet and set everything aside. This now, the new commandment, becomes a fruit of of what God is doing in our lives, that we love one another just as he's loved you, that we can set our our authority aside and die for our brothers and sisters as well, um, you know, and really love them unto death.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing I want to say here to preachers, uh, I implore you by the bowels of Christ to not make (laughs) your Monday Thursday service about they need to go out there and love people more. Yeah. Yeah. That is the new commandment, and they will hear it read, and the Lord speaks it to them in the Holy Scriptures, and that is sufficient. And also, they already know it. Yes. We have been living in a um, world after the ministry of Jesus Christ for 2,000 years, and if... There's anything that even non-Christians know is that Jesus said that we have to love our neighbors as ourselves yes. um, and love other people. So that is not the headline here. I mean, it is always good to hear it, uh, and we do hear it, uh, but just know that if you employ your people to love one another, they already know it. They're not doing it. You telling them to do it is not going to make them do it more. The real surprising thing in this passage is the fact that Jesus washes the dirtiest part of his disciples. Yeah. So... The word for your congregation is that there, again, is in the, the dark places in their lives. The light of Christ shines. And he is so for them. They, they, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And that's, I think, what you want to, to, to make sure people hear on, on Maundy Thursday. Jesus gives them bread and says, this is my body, now eat it. This is wine, this is my blood, now drink it. Uh, saying, you know, I want to give myself as a sacrifice for you, and I'm humbling myself to this to this point. And uh, and don't say, no, you won't eat it, and no, you won't drink it. And, and in case you didn't know, let me also wash your feet. And don't say, like Peter, don't wash my feet. Like, the point here is for us to receive this gift that's offered. Yeah. So make sure the people in your congregation hear the gift
1: yeah, uh, that's not
0: necessarily feeling a command
1: that's the good news that's the good news is the gift and um, that is really good anybody can tell you I oh, just go love people more that's not that profound um, but that um, but that he has loved you unto death he's laid aside his authority um, uh, for you uh, but he didn't stay in the grave he's taken it up for you once again so that's a uh, very good um, now should we go to the darkest moment yeah um, of the day, or Good of the Friday, year? baby. Mm-hmm. This this day preaches. Uh, this is intense. Uh, tell, tell me your thoughts on on preaching on Good Friday, there, Aaron. Do you? Uh, I mean, I kind of I kind of embraced that. This is the one day essentially where you just hammer at home that um, uh, we did this. Um I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you preach the gospel on Good Friday? What do you do? Uh, so I think. Um,
0: Let's say I hint at the gospel mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't slam the door shut but I, yeah. I, I do think um, and obviously the the liturgy uh, even in the opening collect it says that uh, our Lord Jesus Christ was willing to be betrayed given into the hand of sinners and to suffer death upon the cross who now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit so you know spoiler alert we've already given away that there is a resurrection and that Jesus yeah. lives. Um, but uh, but you do want to make sure you don't do so let me put this in a more cogent syntax don't jump over Good Friday to get to Easter as yeah. Paul's always wont to say don't pole vault over Good Friday to get to Easter you want to sit with the horror of this day you want to sit with the suffering of Jesus you want to contemplate what has actually happened we so quickly in our society want to move on from suffering and pain um we always want to sugarcoat uh death sweep difficulties under the rug and so it is important i think that we we as you say um kind of stick 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 to what we're supposed to be talking about this easter will come Mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to squeeze it into good friday um this is a day where we're supposed to see the horror of the death of Jesus and our own uh complicity in that
1: yeah absolutely I mean I yeah I think uh you know you I mean I think a couple of times in my ministry i've I've preached so hard that I think I've slammed the door uh, with fingers in it <laughs> and, mm. and uh, you know and you don't want to do that either it's not about just uh slamming people but it is I think you're right it is about uh, articulating the depth of human sin and uh, our real need Uh, yeah the depth of human sin and that our you know we always want to talk about our common humanity being linked with good things uh, but also our common humanity, linked with the very worst of us as well, and so yeah. uh, that is uh, what the cross actually reveals: is that it's our good deeds, linked with our good deeds, trying to preserve religion, trying to preserve a state, trying to preserve the status quo. Uh, we, you um, know, trying to preserve ourselves, we will kill the one good thing that's come into the world. And you know, to our uh, comments.
0: Uh, you know, we talked in our Palm Sunday episode about, uh, and I think we mentioned it again um, just now, talking about Mahdi Thursday, although it's all running together in one great uh, service. Um, we talked about uh, substitutionary atonement and how key that is to understanding what Jesus does on the cross, not the only way, but certainly one of the chief ways that we understand it, and if you look at Good Friday and you read the Isaiah 52 passage, there's just no way you can get around it, and not only do we look at his suffering and contemplate it, but um, we also see at the end of that passage, yet he bore the sin of many. and uh, it says, uh, when you make his life an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring and shall prolong it. So, I mean, all this language is there and it's a big part of what it is. So I think, yeah. you know, it's not just, as I said earlier, one of the things here is that the result of human sinfulness is that we kill God when he comes among us. That's what we always do. The other part of it is um, uh, that he willingly gives himself mm-hmm. for us. And so I think in my good friday preaching i always try to invite people just again look at christ contemplate what he is doing and also realize that he has done it for you
1: yeah especially when i've preached from the old testament i always emphasize that all we like sheep have gone astray we've all turned to our own way like mm there's not a single one of us that's, that, that has not done this. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So everybody, uh, you know, he's taken our place in that regard. I also love the fact in this Isaiah passage, there's so much to preach here from Isaiah chapter 52, 13 to 53, 12, um, just kind of the the meekness of the Messiah, you know, it's like who has believed what we have heard and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of it. But here's the catcher. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. You know, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering, acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hide their face, he was despised, and we held him of no account. I mean, that is that is really the powerful thing, and that is why the gospel in this Good Friday word has something to say to those areas in your life that have been despised and rejected mm. those areas that in your life w- that are acquainted with inf- I mean sickness I mean that is you know not we want to beat a COVID drum but, uh, but there's a lot of sickness out there and you know and, and he has something to say to that part of your life
0: so does that cab outside of your office
1: uh, I was uh... love
0: <laughs> go ahead
1: I mean, there's, yeah, it's full on apocalypse going on outside, but uh, always
0: it's like, there's never a time we record that. There's not like, uh, the justice league, uh, battling evildoers outside of your office. Um, so then we come to epistle readings. you have Hebrews 10 or Hebrews 4. both of these are choices that you can make. They have the similar idea. the letter to the Hebrews uh, always goes forth between sort of uh, carrot and stick, good cop, bad cop. It's always says like you better watch out but it then also reminds you but don't forget God loves you mm-hmm. so there's a there's that polarity uh, that you find in Hebrews but both these passages are basically, those uh, kinds of passages where it underlines the completion the fullness the satisfaction of jesus's ministry on our behalf and as a result we can rest there's some there's uh they're both about what is going on behind the scenes because as jesus is hanging there on the cross giving himself for us and breathing his last what's also going on is that he is removing the penalty for sin, and he's taking away the barrier between us and God, and so that's what is, that Hebrews explains theologically what's happening here, so both of these are there, and so uh, again, I, my tendency on Good Friday is to let these passages speak for themselves, I don't tend to preach on them but I do, because uh, I tend to preach on the gospel, I do tend to preach on the death of Jesus since that is sort of the main thing of the day. But that's what the Hebrews passages are saying, just that they're they're lifting up the veil and showing you what's going on behind the scenes as Jesus dies on the cross, that he is um, he is offering himself up as a great high priest for us. Anything you would say about
1: the, the Hebrews readings, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it is uh, uh, such good news and such a relief that we have... We have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, you know, and, uh, um, you know, oftentimes it was, well, it's the high priest who's always made sacrifice for sin in the old covenant. You know, it wasn't just any Joe Blow. It was a great high priest who made sacrifice for sin, but uh, it had to be done all of the time. You know what I mean? And um, and I think that, uh, you know, one of the hopeful words in Good Friday is and to behold Jesus as, a, like, a, as your high priest. You know, I love that image of, you know, it's like the Christus Ray cross where it's Jesus, but he's, he's veiled like a, he's, it's a crucifixion. And it almost looks glorious, but if you notice what he's wearing, he's wearing like the, the garments of a priest. And so you have a priest who um, not only has made a sacrifice, but the ultimate sacrifice. And so, and, and really that is what Good Friday is about is that we recognize who we actually are, but we're holding fast to a confession that we have a hope that's outside of ourselves. Mm. So,
0: and preachers, as you seek to preach on Good Friday and you read this gospel reading from John, it is very long. It's basically two chapters and it's extremely moving. It almost does the work itself. Um, I would say read it, meditate on it yourself in the busyness of Holy Week in a pandemic and see what connects with you and preach on that. Um, Mm. So if it is the fact that Jesus, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane waiting, um, that he absolutely could have left because he was outside the city walls of Jerusalem, and yet he stayed like a lame duck intentionally so that he could be arrested, betrayed by Judas. Um, If you want to talk about uh, Peter, who denies Christ three times, it's, again, so... um,
1: That just... it's. Mm. It's so powerful. because who cannot relate to that? <clears throat> you know, on the back of Protestant yeah. churches in the early Reformation, uh, they used to paint a rooster on the back of those those church walls mm-hmm. to remind them, like, kind of in almost contrast to the to the Basilica of St. Peter, that actually the uh, the first apostle denied uh, denied uh, Jesus three times. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: yeah, and there's the there's the just this interaction with Pilate. Um, uh, you know, is Jesus a king or not, you know, his pilot's doubt and Jesus is sort of almost totally silent presence before him. Um, the call of the crowd to crucify Jesus is figure out yeah. where you find yourself in the story and try to connect that to the, the, to the people in your congregation.
1: Yeah. I've always really, I've really always connected with the part of Barabbas as well. You know, Jesus Barabbas, uh, which literally translates Jesus, Son of the Father, um, is being exchanged for Jesus, the Son of the Father, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, uh, there are so many themes you could hit on, and I would really just kind of take, and and like you said, this isn't one of these times where you exegete this entire text. Uh, Rather, uh, you take a line or two from here and you offer a meditation. Please do not preach forever on and you know on Good Friday. Get offer a meditation and get out. Um, the the liturgy in the prayer book is just powerful, just powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so
0: uh, it, the point of the service is to help our congregation enter into the day of Good Friday and mm-hmm. to feel the weight of it and to feel the horror of it and to feel the shock of it. So don't pull your punches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just let let the text speak for itself and invite people into to meditate mm-hmm. on it. And um, I think tr- work, I mean, if I could say one thing, what I always try to do is to say that Every human being in this story completely fails, and yet Jesus still dies for all of yeah. them. Uh, yeah, so, that Peter, is so Pilate, good. Barabbas, everybody, everybody fails in the story, and Jesus dies for all of them. And you know, there's, that's what I try
1: to say. There's another great thing here, it just kind of stuck out to me, but like, you know, where he's crucified, and then the, the soldier uh, pierces his side, and from his side comes forth water and blood, you know, by which, I mean... He's cre- in his death, he's creating a new bride, his church. So you have this first a- the, the first Adam who failed, once again, too. He's in this text, just um, underlying the whole surface in light of the second Adam, Jesus, who has not failed, but rather in his death, his deep sleep is creating a new bride, which is you and I for himself. And so um, uh, grace is free, totally, totally free, but it most certainly isn't cheap it costs the son of man his very life
0: Amen and that's where we'll leave it and blessings on you preachers as you preach for Monday, Thursday and Good Friday these uh, holy days where really our words feel sort of small and meaningless in light of God's incredible acts to mm. save all of us but may the Holy Spirit give you what to say and enable your congregation mm. to hear what God is saying through you Amen Somebody